Amen. How many of you are, you are ready to go through the shepherd's psalm? Verse 2. Amen. This is called Green Pastures and Still Waters. I'm so thankful for God. And you notice it's a different graphic up there because Laura is on vacation. I like it. Jeff Kelly did that, so I don't think he's in here, but Jeff is our resident geek, and he doesn't mind me calling him that. He's our resident geek. But that looks great. And uh, we're going to look tonight at the shepherd. How many of you are thankful for your walk with the shepherd? How many want to get closer to him? Do you really? I do, and I want to seek him. And like the song said, the more I seek him, the more I find him. Amen? And so we're going to look tonight at what David the psalmist had to say about uh, the shepherd, the great shepherd, the good shepherd. And let's pray together. Father, we thank you that, Lord, we do follow the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the true shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. And, Lord, we pray that you will make our walk with you clearer, tighter, stronger, more fulfilling, more real than we've ever known. Lord, thank you that you saved us one day, and that day began our journey with the shepherd through life. And Lord, you will see us to the very end, and will one day transport us to glory. And we thank you for that tonight, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. And if you love the shepherd, give him a hand of praise tonight. Amen. Let's look at this now. I want you to read out loud with me verse 2. We're going through one verse a week, six weeks. Each verse has two uh, sections or two parts, uh, two ideas, two themes. And so we're dealing with uh, two per week, one verse, and it's good stuff. So let's read it together, can we? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Now, how many of you know that you are a sheep? You are a sheep. The Lord called you one. All we like. Now, we're human beings, but we are like sheep. We act like sheep. We think like sheep. We have some of the same habits as sheep. We stray like sheep. We need to be disciplined like sheep. We get afraid like sheep. And we want a shepherd like sheep do. So what are sheep like? Well, sheep are skittish creatures. It's almost impossible to make them lie down unless four requirements are met. And here's those requirements. And as we go over these, realize this is you and this is me. What are the requirements for us to be able to lay down quietly in God's presence and really receive from him? Well, first, a real sheep must be free of all fear or he won't lay down. Second, they must be free from friction with other sheep, or they will not lay down. And, you, and we're going to look at how there is a pecking order in flocks, and how there is a lot of friction, and they are just like the body of Christ. Now third, they must be free of tormenting flies or parasites, or they won't lay down. And they must be free of hunger. Now those four things, free of fear, free of friction, free of torment, and free of hunger. If those conditions are not met by a wise shepherd, he will never get those sheep to lie down in a green pasture. There can be beautiful grass there, but they won't lie down if one or more of those things are operating in their life. 
So let's take them. The only one thing that can bring these, these things about, freedom from those four things, is their shepherd. They're never going to experience that if left alone. That's the nature of sheep. They've got to be made able or capable of lying down. He is the one who makes it possible for them to lie down, to rest, to relax, to be content and quiet and flourishing. Those last adjectives there are what I long for. Because our culture is the opposite of those things. It's not restful. It's not relaxed. It's not content. It's sure and quiet. And it's not flourishing in a positive spiritual way. But I want those things, don't you? Well, you know who's going to lead us to those things? Our shepherd. Now, in fact, sheep are so jumpy and timid that even a stray jackrabbit suddenly jumping in front of them can stampede a whole flock. Just a rabbit. One rabbit jumping in front of them. Scare the whole flock. And you and I are this way. We get scared so easily, don't we? We listen to a rumor or hear some negative report, and we get very skittish, very fearful. Now look, a flock that is restless, agitated, discontented, and disturbed never does well. And neither do we. This is why we've got to allow our shepherd to cause us to lie down in green pastures. Now look, and the same is true of people, hence our shepherd. We have a shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is desirous of bringing these things about in our life. And you need to know that. He didn't come to to just give us salvation when we die, though that is really crucial. But he came to bless us in the here and now. In a crazy, wild, restless, tense, fear-driven world, the shepherd wants to give us what we just read about, peace, contentment, quietness, and flourishing in the house of God. That's the way he wants us to be. And you know what? You can have it. And you know what? You should be having it. And if you're not, you're in the right class. Now watch this. Fear of predators is one of the great enemies of sheep. Because sheep are naturally timid, defenseless, and feeble, they are a nervous bunch. At any time, and they got a reason to be nervous, they're right to be nervous, because listen, they have no claws, they have no teeth. If a predator jumps them, it's over. There's nothing they can do. And though you and I might feel strong, might feel invincible, when it comes to the real predator, the devil, without the help of God, we're chewed alive. Did you know that? That if it weren't for the protection of Jesus Christ, you and I would be hamburger meat for the devil. But he protects us. Now, the flock can be attacked by dogs, mountain lions, bears, or other bloodthirsty predators. David spoke about killing a lion and a bear when they crept up on his flock. Remember that? And he, he learned the anointing of God by killing the bear and killing the lion. And what were they doing? He jumped between the bear and the flock and the lion and the flock. He jumped in between and said, if you're going to get them, you're going to have to go through me. David was a picture of our Savior. He has said to the devil, you're going to have to go through me to get to them. And you can't go through me because my blood defeated you. Death, hell, and the grave have been removed from you, and I have triumphed over you. And so that's why we need to stand behind our shepherd 
when the bear and the lion are prowling about. Did you know I read that hundreds of sheep, hundreds of them, can be slaughtered by just a few hungry predators in one night? Can you imagine being a shepherd and walking out there when your livelihood is sheep? Can you imagine walking out there and realizing that a mountain lion got into the pen and hundreds of sheep have been ripped apart and your livelihood destroyed? That's the reality of sheep and predators, and it's the reality of human beings as well. Our world is being slaughtered by the predator called the devil. But thank God, greater is he that is in you and me than he that is in the world. Now, when the sheep can see their shepherd in the field, and I love this, it quiets them. All they got to know to have peace is, I see him. My eye is on him. My attention is on him. And he's right out here in the field with me. So that even though a predator might be walking around the pen, he's not coming in because my shepherd is there. And the presence of their master, the presence of their owner, the presence of their protector puts a real sheep at ease like nothing else can. They know that he alone can protect them from danger. And this testimony and this information is coming straight from a real shepherd who shepherded sheep for years. And this is what he wrote. And in the Christian life, there is no substitute for the keen awareness that our shepherd is nearby when trouble knocks. Amen? You know why I get with God? Because the more I get with God, the more I sense God. And the more I know that his presence is around me and in me, going ahead of me, preparing the way for me. And when I know he's with me, there is no fear. That's why the Bible says there is no fear in love. Because perfect love casts out fear. And who is love? God is love. And perfect love, or God, casts out fear. Because fear has torment. It's the unknown for those real sheep. It's the unexpected that produces the greatest angst. When storms suddenly strike, it's the knowledge that our shepherd is standing nearby that brings us peace. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, promised our great shepherd. I, I'm going to get a little bit transparent here, and, I, and I, I don't think that Melanie Dooley will, will mind, but I was seeing Tom. And uh, without a miracle, Tom's going to go to the shepherd. And... I was talking to one of his good friends on the phone today. Because I go and I read the, the Psalms to Tom. And I, and I have seen and I've watched him through this whole thing. From the moment that he knew that he was ill to now. And I said this to his friend today on the phone who was in Nashville. And when I said it, it really summarized the whole experience for me in a way that I hadn't thought about. I said, you know, here's the deal. Tom has never one time said to me, why me? He has never one, I'm talking about Tom Dooley of The Journey, on for uh, 20 plus years on radio every morning. How many of you heard Tom Dooley on the radio? How many did not? See, it's always just, a, you know, like two or three in any given church. And he learned a, a few months ago that he had a brain tumor and they did everything they could, but it was very aggressive, stage four. So, and I'm still believing for a miracle, don't get me wrong. I am. But barring one, he will go to be with the shepherd before long. So I said this to his friend. I said, he has never said to me, why me? And 
a couple of weeks ago, I was alone with him. And I said, you know, Tom, I'm your pastor and I'm your friend. And I said, you want to talk about your condition? He said, no. And I said, then you want me to read you the Psalms? Yes. And the only thing he responds to is when I read the Psalms. He almost says nothing, but when I read the Psalms, amen, yes, Lord. And last week, he and Melanie were sitting there, and he doesn't say much anymore, and all of a sudden he said, out of the blue, longest sentence in a couple of months, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. She said, what? And he said, the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. And then he said, Adonai, a Hebrew word for God. Let me tell you something. When you walk through the valley of the shadow, the shepherd is with you. Do you all hear what I'm saying to you? One day, we all will, unless the rapture comes. And when you do, through the valley of the shadow, he is with you. His rod and his staff, they comfort you. We're talking about a real shepherd, not some shepherd out in the field only, but a real supernatural shepherd. Jesus, who called himself the good shepherd of the sheep, and my friend Tom knows him. And that word is so deep in him that all I've ever seen him do is praise God. I think we ought to thank God for that. That's a testimony. It's a testimony. So when Jesus says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, that's the promise of our great shepherd. And so when we see him standing in the field, we're not afraid of the predator. Amen? We're not afraid of the predator of death or the predator of hell or the predator of the grave or of sickness or disease. We're not afraid because our great shepherd is standing in the field keeping watch over his flock by night. Amen? And I love the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's the special ministry of the Holy Spirit to convey the sense of Jesus' nearness in fearful times. Like Tom said, the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. The Holy Spirit quietly touches our heart and says this in tough times when the predator is breathing down your neck. He says, it's okay. I'm here. Trust me. In fact, the very name comforter comes from a Greek word meaning one called to stand alongside. Your shepherd is standing right next to you in all of your troubles, all of your cares, all of your hurts. And if you'll listen, he'll talk to you. Because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Are you one of his sheep? Then you can hear his voice. You've got ears the lost world doesn't have. Now, it is in the knowledge that he is near that fear flees. Paul told Timothy, read this with me, everybody, for God has not given to us a spirit of fear. Well, that was three of you. Let's try it again. For God has not given to us a spirit of fear. Now preach it to me. For God has not given us. Now put me in there. God has not given me a spirit of fear. No. Fear didn't come from him. 
But of what? Preach it. Power and of love and a sound mind. And that's the spirit you got. He's living inside of you. The idea of a sound mind doesn't mean you're not crazy. It doesn't mean the spirit of a sane mind. A sound mind comes from a Greek word meaning at ease, at peace, not perturbed or harassed or obsessed with fear and foreboding for the future. When he says a sound mind, he doesn't mean sane, he means peaceful. He's given us the spirit of a peaceful, at ease mind, no matter what's going on around you. David wrote in another psalm, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. I will both lay down in peace and sleep. For you, Lord, only make me to dwell in safety. Only does your great shepherd make you dwell in safety. Fear of tension. Now here's a second fear that a sheep has. Not just of a predator, but secondly of tension, rivalry, and cruel competition within the flock. That's a second source of angst and fear for any real sheep. Why? Because in every animal society, there is established an order of dominance or status within the group. How many of you have more than one dog at home? Have you noticed that they create a pecking order real quick? There's a boss man. Have you noticed that one of them will establish himself as boss man? You know that sheep do that and all animals do that? And you know who else does that? We do that. Now watch. In a pen full of chickens, it's called the pecking order. But among sheep, it's called the budding order. Generally, an arrogant, arrogant, cunning, and domineering old you, that's how you say it, hey you. For the longest time, I went ooh. You know, a, an ooh in the field, and I was wrong. It's you. An old you will boss a flock of sheep around. She maintains her power by budding and driving other ewes or lambs away from the best grazing grounds. The sheep beneath her use the same tactics of budding and intimidating to hold their own positions. I want to ask you a million dollar question. Does this go on in the church? Any old ewes in the church? Don't you raise your hand now. But notice, in a sheep flock is old ewes. But I want to tell you, in the body of Christ, that's why over and over again, Paul wrote, you need to forgive one another, submit to one What did Jesus say? He that wants to be greatest among you will not be the head butter, but will be what of all? Servant of all. What was Jesus doing? He was putting the nail into the heart of competition in the body of Christ that destroys us. He who wants to be greatest among you will be the servant of all. He who wants to climb will serve. The same thing happens in the body of Christ as these poor sheep. And you know what? A lot of people are no longer in church because somewhere in some local body of believers, I'm not saying they made the right decision because I think you need to get over it and get back in the fellowship personally. But there's a lot of people that are not in church. Why? Because they were in a body of believers where there was competition, cliquishness, ladder climbing, pushing and shoving for position. There were some butters who were pushing people out of the way, uh, treating them wrong so that they could climb into a position 
of influence within the church. I hate cliques. I don't like cliques. Because people come and visit a church and they see a clique and they go, well, I can't, I can't break that barrier. I'll never be a part of them. And that's kind of my age bracket, so I'll just go somewhere else. No, the Spirit of the Lord receives anybody covered in the blood of Jesus. Now watch this. Because of this rivalry, tension, and competition for status, there is friction in the flock. The sheep simply cannot lie down and rest in contentment when this is going on. They must constantly stand up and defend themselves. Isn't it that way in a lot of the places where you work? Isn't this just a part of life out there? Competition? And look at the problem there is right now with bullying in schools. What is bullying? It's just a bunch of, bunch of butters. I know what you're thinking. But that's what it is. And, and what are they doing? They're beating down those weaker kids so they can gain prominence the same thing goes on Jesus wants us to have no part of that the result of this endless budding and competition is edginess, tension, restlessness within the flock and here's what James said when he asked this question what leads to strife, discord and feuds and how do conflicts, quarrels and fightings originate among you where do they come from now he's writing to believers and he says, here's where they come from. Do they not arise from your sensual desires that are ever warring in your bodily members? You are jealous, and so you butt people. You covet. You want what they have, and you resent them for it. So you butt them. You dominate them. You, you have friction with them. And your desires go unfilled, so you become murderers. Now, he's not saying they're walking around with knives and, and actually slitting people's throats and killing them. What he's saying is you're killing them with your words, you're killing them with slander, you're killing them with gossip, and you're murdering with the tongue. That's what he's saying. And that's what you do. That's, that's the way Christian sheep butt other people. It's with the tongue. I've done it, you've done it, we've all done it. That's the way we do it. We're not like these yous that will use their heads and hit somebody with them, but we'll talk about them, and that's the way we butt them. And we try to put them in their place and subdue them and dominate them and gain the upper hand. Now look what he says. You, you burn with envy and anger and are not, not able to obtain the gratification, the contentment, and the happiness that you seek. So you fight and you war. Now that's the body of Christ. In the body of Christ, you fight and you war. In another place, he said, these things ought not so to be. How do you know that spiritual maturity is coming into a house of God when this stuff stops? And I want to tell you, I don't see much of it in our church. Maybe I'm deaf, dumb, and stupid, and blind on top of that, but I don't see it. I'm not as much as I've seen it before. I think a lot of us have been through the ringer enough. We say, I don't have time to play those games. I don't have time to get involved in that. I need my brother. I need, my, I need everybody preaching and teaching and living for Jesus. I need them all. When I pray for our church to be anointed on a Wednesday and a Sunday, I, I, if you're ever at early morning prayer, you'll hear me pray. I want every church in Fort Worth that names the name of Christ to massively succeed this week because we need them. It's dark out there. We need the light shining. So I don't want to butt them. I don't want to dominate them. 
Amen? Hey, I tell you, it's wartime, and in wartime, it's foxholes. And war makes strange bedfellows. I fellowship with Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterians, Lutherans, Assembly of God, and any other denomination around. If they are washed in the blood of Jesus, they're my brother, they're my sister. I don't want to put them down. I don't want to hurt them. I want them as strong as they can be. Every one of them. And that's the Spirit of Christ. Now this very thing is the reason the Word of God commands God's church. Read it with me, everybody. Let me hear you. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Give the Lord a hand of praise. That's good stuff. In real life, when the shepherd appears on the scene, the sheep quickly forget their rivalries and they stop their fighting. All that it takes for the sheep to feel peace in the presence of predators is to see the shepherd. And when they're fighting amongst each other, when the shepherd steps onto the scene, they stop. We need a fresh vision of Jesus in the house. Likewise, in our human rivalries, it's when we become acutely aware of being in the presence of Christ that our selfish, foolish rivalries will end. Then and only then can we rest contentedly in the flock and feed on the green grass in the beautiful pastures he takes us to. Now, a third source of fear for the sheep is the maddening torture caused by pests and parasites. And this is a big one. Sheep, especially in the summer can be driven to absolute distraction. This is gross, but let me read them. By nasal flies. Everybody say gross. I mean, the name tells us where they go. Bot flies, warble flies, and ticks. They will be so distracted, and we're getting more into this when we come to the verse that he anoints my head with oil. That's powerful. But this is a little foretaste of what's coming. They will be so distracted by insects that crawl up into their nasal cavities and into their ears and make their way up into the nasal cavities, way in their head, lay eggs, and they hatch, and they grow inside their head. Uh-huh. So you see a sheep out there banging his head against a tree. Just banging his head against a tree. What's he trying to do? Get the, the insanity out of his head. Now, I want to tell you something. This is a physical picture of a spiritual truth. If it were not for the Lord and His protection over our minds, we would have cares and worries and fears and depressions and thoughts that would want to make us bang our heads against a tree. What God wants to do is give us peace in our minds. I strive for that, long for that, work for that, and I spend time with God until I have that before I start my day. I will not allow the spiritual nasal flies, bot flies, warble flies, and ticks to get into my thought life and drive me to distraction. And I can tell when the devil is trying to plant something there, and so can you. He'll get you to worrying, get you afraid. He'll get you to remembering how people have hurt you and things they've done to you. He'll get you dwelling on negative things that work like a worm in your head. And you've got these flies in your thoughts. 
You've got these, these, these enemies that are, that are there via your thought life because your battle and my battle is in between our two ears. It's in the gray matter. It's in the brain. You win or lose in your thoughts. You have joy or sorrow starting in your thoughts. And God wants you to have peaceful thoughts. And I'm telling you, church, this is why people try to drink the madness away and smoke the madness away and shoot the madness away and snort the madness away. What are they doing? They're saying, I can't stand this. But there's a better way. There's a better way. When tormented by these pests, it is impossible for the sheep to lie down and rest, and neither can we. That's why people have satin sheets in multi-million dollar homes, but they can't sleep at night. Because though they've got a lot of money, they don't have the peace of God. And they would give everything they had if they could find what Jesus alone can give you. Instead, these poor sheep, they're on their feet, pacing, stamp, stamping their legs, shaking their heads, butting their heads into trees. A good shepherd will protect his sheep from this kind of torment by applying various kinds of insect repellents. He'll dip them to clear their fleeces of ticks, and he'll provide trees for shelter and release from their tormentors. Always uppermost in the mind of a good shepherd is to keep his flock quiet, contented, and at peace. Likewise, our shepherd, your shepherd. The Lord Jesus Christ endeavors to keep his flock from being bugged by the harassing irritations of life. How in the world does he do this? If you don't know the answer to that, I'm going to tell you and never forget it. In Scripture, the Holy Spirit is often symbolized by oil. The very thing which brings healing and comfort and relief from the harsh and irritating aspects of life, oil. You know, when you hear gears starting to grind, you go, I need to oil them. Your thoughts will start to grind. Your life will feel on edge. And what do you need? You don't need a drink. You don't need a smoke. You need the Word of God and you need the oil of the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. The Spirit of God brings quietness, serenity, strength, and calmness. He really does. He really does. I make it my goal every day. I go out. I've told you this before, but I'll tell you again. I go out on the patio uh, early in the morning, and I open up that Bible, and I pray. And I do not shut that Bible until the peace of God has covered my thoughts and covered my life. So how long do you have to stay, stay with God until it's done? There's not a time. It may take five minutes one day, two hours the next day. But I will not allow the bot flies, the nasal flies, the irritating worries and fears and doubts and torments that this world will put into your thoughts. I will not let them stay. I attack them with the Word of God. I do. Now listen, this Word is powerful. Do you all know that? This Word is oil. It's the Word of God. It's the power of God. It is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, goes to the dividing of the sunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and it discerns the motivations and thoughts of the heart. This Word is God's oil. It is fire. It is water. It will put out the fire of temptation. It will soothe the worries and fears of this life. You ought to saturate your mind in it every day until the gears aren't squeaking. 
this word. If you got your Bible, hold it up. Do you have your Bible? Hold it up. Say, thank God for the Word of God. It's not just for my shelf. It's for my mind. And I will apply it like holy oil to my thought life so that I don't have tormenting thoughts, but instead I have the peace of God. Give Him a hand of praise tonight, church. Come on. This is real. A fourth and a final fear that the shepherd uh, delivers his sheep from is this one, the fear of hunger. The fear of hunger. This is clearly implied in David's statement that he makes me lie down in green pastures. He's talking about food. Talking about hunger. In many of the regions of the world when, where sheep flourish, it's not easy at all to find green pastures. Sheep country, oddly enough, is often dry and semi-arid territory. For example... Palestine, where David wrote this psalm and kept his father's flocks, especially near Bethlehem, is dry, brown, sunburned wasteland. But he's talking about green pastures. Green pastures in David's day and in his area didn't just happen. They were the product of tremendous labor, time, and skill. Green pastures were the result of clearing away rough, rocky land of tearing out brush and roots and stumps, of deep plowing and careful soil preparation. Who do you think did that? We know the sheep didn't do it. Who did it? The good shepherd. In other words, it was the shepherd that literally produced the green pastures his sheep would enjoy. Yet without green pastures, the sheep are hungry, ever on their feet, on the move, searching for anything to satisfy that gnawing hunger. They've got to be fed. The word that I just held up to you is how the sheep are fed. You feed yourself by the word of God. Every chapter in that book, you've got 66 books in that Bible. So you've got 66 books that make up one book, but you also have a library of 66 books. So you ought to acquaint yourself with every one of them because every one of those pages, every one of those books is a green pasture. Feed there. Now, it is, so it is with our great shepherd. He works to clear out our life of rocks, of stony unbelief. He attempts to tear out the roots of bitterness. He breaks up the hard, proud human heart. He then sows the seed of his precious word, which will produce rich crops of contentment and peace. He works on the inside of you, and then he says, let me tell you where you graze. You graze in my word. I don't want to be in a world without a Bible. He waters all of this with the dew and the rain of His precious Spirit. He tends and cares and cultivates the life, longing to see us become rich and green and productive. Indeed, He makes us lie down in green pastures. Free of the fear of predators, conflicts, pests, and hunger. Amen? And let me tell you, if you get so busy with life that you begin to neglect the Word of God and the things of God, and you get out there in the world, can I read the verse to you again? He will make you lie down. I'd rather lie down voluntarily 
Because I visit people all the time who he has made to lie down. <laughs> oh, I can't tell you. Look, I go to hospital visits all the time. They say, you know, I was so busy, Pastor, but laying here in this hospital bed, I've just felt called back to the Word of God. I say, bingo. He made you lie down in green pastures. Oh, he can work you right into a corner and say, hey, what are you doing so busy with life? You're not with me. Oh, yeah, he'll chasing you. That rod and that staff were not pretty. With one of them, he grabbed you by the neck, and the other one he threw at you. But that's later. And why did he do that? When you were straying, he takes aim. These old Middle Eastern shepherds could throw, pull that, their arm back with that rod and hurl that thing and strike you from a distance, and you got right back into that flock. He makes me lie down. Next, David testifies of the good shepherd. He leads me beside the still waters. And we're going to close with this. This is wonderful, the still waters of God. Again, sheep thrive in dry, semi-arid country. But like any other of God's creatures, they still require water. Here again, the key to where water can be obtained lies with the shepherd. Because they can't find the good water on their own. He alone knows where the best places uh, to drink good water are. It's noteworthy that the body of an animal, such as a sheep, is composed of about 70% water. Water determines the vitality, the strength, and the vigor of the sheep, and it's essential to its well-being. Without enough water, dangerous and deadly dehydration, as well as tissue damage, occurs in that sheep. So he's got to have water, and a good shepherd will never let them go without, or he'll lose the quality of the sheep. When sheep are thirsty, they become restless. And they set out in search of water. If the shepherd is not there to lead them to good water supplies of clean, pure water, they will often end up drinking from the polluted potholes where they pick up internal parasites. Any of you ever spiritually drunk from a polluted pothole? Well, y'all look at me like little angels sometimes. Just, not me. I've never. Every one of us have done it. Now watch this. In all these things, people are much like sheep. Just like our physical body has a capacity and need for water, the human soul desires and even longs for the water of the Spirit of God. But there is a danger with spiritual hunger. I read this week how involved our current young people are in the occult. What are they looking for in the occult? Water, spiritual water, they're thirsty. See, it's good to have spiritual thirst, but only if you know where to get good water. Thirst without proper guidance can lead well-meaning people into drinking from forbidden waters. This is where the good shepherd comes in. Jesus knew that human beings would experience spiritual thirst. This is why he said in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and do what? Thirst. For righteousness, for they will be filled or satisfied. At the great feast in Jerusalem, Jesus stood up and declared boldly, On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anybody is what? Thirsty. Let him do what? Come to who? Me. And do what? Drink. The phrase to drink in spiritual terminology simply means take in or to accept or to believe. It means that a person accepts and assimilates the very life of God in Christ 
to the point where it becomes a part of him. Spiritual thirst is totally real because God made us spiritual creatures. And he made us to fellowship with him. And until we get connected to God via Jesus Christ, we will wander the world knowing we're thirsty but not necessarily where to find the water. And the devil knows you're thirsty. And he's got a million and one tricks in his bag and tells you with every one of them, this will take care of the thirst, this will take care of the, this will do it, this will do it, this will do it. And you can spend your whole life going in a vicious cycle looking for that spiritual water that you never find because you never get it from the one who stood up and said, let him come to me. There is no doubt that all the long and complex history of earth's religions, including pagan worship and human philosophy, stems from this insatiable thirst for God. David knew this. This is why he so urgently pointed to the true shepherd who alone can lead us to the still waters. It is he alone who knows where the still, quiet, deep, clean, pure water is to be found that alone can satisfy his sheep and keep them fit and strong. I drink every day of that spiritual water. Amen? That's why I'm telling you, that's why I don't need alcohol. Don't need it. Or pot or any other stimulant. Don't need it. I drink of the water of the spirit of life. Sheep gather water from three main sources, and we're going to close with this. Dew on the grass, deep wells, or streams. And it's the shepherd's job to see to it that his sheep find the water. No matter where it lies, if dew is all there is on the ground, he'll get up early with his flock to see to it that his sheep benefit from this early grazing. And after serving as a pastor for many years, I'm going to testify to you. I will tell you truthfully that those sheep who are most serene, who I've observed, who are most serene, who experience the greatest joy, and who seem to triumph in their trials and flourish in the fire, are those sheep who rise early enough to drink deeply from the water of the Word of God on a daily basis. That's my testimony, 27 years of being a shepherd of God's flock. It is in the quiet early hours of the morning that his people are led by the Spirit to the still waters of Scripture and prayer where they drink deeply. This has been the secret key for virtually all of God's greats throughout history who attributed their strength to their quiet time with God every day. Listening to the Lord's voice, one is led gently to the place where, as the old hymn puts it, and this really is a quote from a hymn, the still dews of his Spirit can be dropped into my life and soul. Unfortunately, many Christians still have not learned to make time with God their source of strength. And I, Jeremiah talked about this when he said something very, very arresting. My people have done two evil things. They've abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. Wow. Cracked cisterns are those things we turn to in order to quench our thirst other than God. Intellectual pursuits, fine arts, sports, hobbies, and endless relationships, just to name a few. Not necessarily anything wrong with some of those, but they cannot serve as a substitute for the living God. They can't. They hold no divine water. Say with me, only the good shepherd, says David, can and will lead me to the living waters 
that truly satiate my thirsty soul. Can we stand together? How many of you know this is true? Amen. Next time, oh, next time is one of my favorites. He restores my soul. But let's thank him right now before we go tonight for those green pastures, for delivering us of fear of predators, fear of hunger, fear of strife, the fears that assault our minds. And he makes it possible for us to lie down and feed on his word. And he gives us that pure water. Can we just thank him for that, Lord? Thank you for the green pastures and the still waters. And thank you, Lord, for making it possible in our own souls to be content enough and quiet enough to lie down. Now, while we're bowed in prayer, before we go tonight, would you just breathe a prayer and say, Lord, help me to be delivered of any fear that puts me in such a place that I cannot lie down. And deliver me from any bitter water. Shut every source that is not that clean, pure water of the Spirit of God. Holy is the Lord God Let's worship him Almighty. Everybody.